Do do da da do 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 fake it till you bake it. With Chef Ender. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fake It Till You Bake It, a baking advice podcast where we take your bake fails and turn them into bake wins. Has anyone ever even seen an egg? A popular radio host from Night Vale once quoted, Eggs aren't real. Show me an egg. That's not an egg. What's an egg? Well, folks, I can say for sure I have seen at least one egg in my life, and I can safely tell you they are the building blocks for most bakes. And therefore, these little buggers are also often the catalyst for many a bake fail. Why? I think a lot of fails are caused by our underestimation of the simple egg. They're so small and innocuous and uncomplicated, right? So just throw them in and they'll work, right? It's just an egg. Unfortunately, these lads are some of the most complicated and intricate devices in the cooking and baking world. Oh yeah, buds, we're gonna get sciency. So buckle up and hold on to your butts. Let's crack into what an egg actually is. We know yolks are where all the fat is because most of us who aren't allergic to eggs have probably had to suffer through an egg white omelet once or twice in our lives. Fat and flavor is all in that yolk. In fact, they're nearly half fat with a side of protein and vitamins. The whites are completely fatless, mostly water, about 86% actually, with nearly as much protein as the yolk. Why is this important? Science. Baking is all about ratios because proteins and water, fats, sugars, and gluten, and acid, and everyone else all have specific jobs we want them to accomplish when our bakes go in the oven, the water bath or the cooler, and they all work as a team. When one or more team members aren't pulling their weight, the whole project tends to go to pieces, doesn't it? So when you're working with eggs, what you're really doing is working with those ratios of fat, water, and protein, and giving each component a specific job. So let's talk about what jobs eggs can do and how to get them to work properly. Structure. Just like gluten proteins, egg proteins coagulate, a very appetizing word, I know, to provide structure to our bakes. This is obviously an important function, but it's especially important when you have a recipe with a lot of sugar and fat because those two fellas tenderize and weaken gluten protein. So you gotta add more structure by adding a protein that isn't weakened by sugar and fat, which is eggs. Sugar and fat are amazing teammates with eggs since they do make things tender. Eggs on their own, as anyone who's eaten a hard boiled egg can tell you, can make things fairly tough and chewy. It's truly all about that balance, y'all. Now, most of you aren't there aren't writing recipes from scratch, or you probably wouldn't be listening to an advice podcast based on failing forward. So you don't need to know what exact percentages of eggs to sugar to fat to flour you need to make a recipe work. But what this information can equip you with is a diagnostic tool. Cookies too tough? Probably too much egg. They completely fall apart? Probably too little egg then you can start adjusting because you have an arsenal of knowledge to pull from. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? Now, the coolest thing I think eggs do is act as an emulsifying agent. They naturally help everything come together and form smooth batters. It's like a magic power eggs have. I nerd out about it all the time. 
If you've ever made a hollandaise sauce or carbonara, you've seen this emulsifying power in a more direct way than in, say, a cake batter. Why is having this emulsifying agent important for things like cakes? Well, overmixing is a huge cause of bake fails, and it happens as soon as gluten proteins get wet. So the second you add flour to a wet mix, you're basically on a timer. The more you work it after that moment, the more those proteins activate and start to strengthen, and the tougher and stodgier it gets. So by having your fats and your sugars homogenized with the power of egg emulsification, you have to mix way less once the flour goes in, leading to absolutely beautiful textures. And they also trap air bubbles. I think most of us know this on a basic level from having seen or eaten meringues, but yolks can also trap air when they're whipped up. So every part of the egg can be used as a leavening agent in all sorts of desserts. My favorite is mousse. Whipping yolks with sugar until it's so pale and is nearly doubled in volume is really satisfying and gives that lighter than air mouthfeel when you're eating your final product. But this function of our eggy friends is also a huge contributor to bake fails. If you listened to our last episode, you'll remember that patience is a virtue and not one of my strongest. It takes every ounce of willpower I have in my body sometimes to let my eggs whip or cream long enough to achieve the amount of air I need for my desserts to come out right. And just like when you whip cream for too long, if you let eggs over whip, it starts to separate the proteins and the fats from the water and you're left with a weepy, foamy mess. How do you avoid this? Well, the answer is pretty simple. Just keep making things. Mess them up and then make them again. You build up a sense for when the whip is just right, trust me. But you gotta fail a few times first. That's faking it till you bake it. The last few jobs an egg can do for you are fairly straightforward. Yolks add fat to a recipe, so they can act as a shortening. Think shortbread cookies, which only call for flour, sugar, butter, and yolks. The yolks help with structure, sure, but they also keep the cookies short. Crisp, slightly crumbly, but oh so melt in your mouth. Eggs are half water by weight, so they can bring moisture to the party. They have great nutritional content and are conduits for flavor. And yolks will bring that nice golden color we crave in our baked goods. Truly, these little fellas are the powerhouses behind any recipe. Now, I want to talk about some of the most common oopsies folks make when working with eggs. The very first and most obvious one is temperature. Y'all, when the recipe says room temperature eggs, it means room temperature eggs. Patience is a virtue, right? But I'd be the first one with my hand shot up in the air if anyone asked if they'd ignored that very important sentence when baking at times because they hadn't take their eggs out of the fridge hours before realizing they immediately needed to eat chocolate chip cookies. And what happens the second those cold eggs hit that beautifully creamed butter? It all hardens up and separates and generally looks a mess. So then you either end up spending more time creaming and creaming and creaming until the eggs finally warm up enough that the butter can re-soften and homogenize, or you just say F it and throw in your flour and end up with wonky cookies. I'll let you all guess which one most folks do. Spoiler alert. It's the latter. 
The temperature of your ingredients is so flippin' important in baking. Why? Because science! You're literally relying on a chain reaction to occur when you're adding these ingredients and hitting them with heat. And if they don't start at the correct temperature, it all goes to heck. Things take longer to react in the way they need to, which delays other reactions or causes some of them to happen too quickly and then fizzle out into nothingness. And then you've got sunken cakes with dry, crispy edges or cookies that have spread into one flat, sad mass on your sheet pan. I used to stick my eggs in the front of my shirt for those 2 a.m. cookie cravings to get them warmed quickly, which I do not recommend to anyone, especially not anyone as clumsy as I am. Nothing quite as soul-crushing as having to shower egg gloop off your front and do a load of laundry at 2 a.m. instead of enjoying a warm treat and a cool glass of milk. No, instead you can literally just put your eggs in a container of warm water for like 15 minutes and achieve the same result. Use that time to weigh your other ingredients and get your butter and sugar creaming, and by the time you're ready to add your eggs, they'll be perfectly tempt. How easy was that? The second is measuring. If you have 15 bucks kicking around that you can spare on investing in your kitchen, please, 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 please snag a little kitchen scale from your local Target. Why? Again, science. Science. If your recipe calls for two large eggs, the author of that recipe, first of all, doesn't respect you. Sorry, recipe authors everywhere that haven't converted to metric weights, but please do get with the program. And second of all, is telling you this based on the average weight of a grade A egg. This sucks. Just trust me on this. It sucks because eggs are not all created equal and often have vastly different weights. The average is 50 grams, so what the recipe author is really asking for is 100 grams of whole egg. The eggs I use at my bakery are usually 70 grams a pop. So if I used two eggs, that's almost 50% more egg than the recipe intended. Sucks. That's a huge difference. And if you're relying on those eggs for structure, suddenly you have 50% more structure. Leavening? 50% more leavening. Fat? 50% more fat. Heck, 50% more water. And the other sucky thing is every time you go to make this recipe, it's gonna turn out a little different. So if you magically grabbed two eggs that happened to secretly weigh 50 grams each the first time you made these cookies or cakes or what have you, and it came out perfect and lovely and you absolutely wanted to make it again, the second time you snagged two eggs that don't weigh 50 grams a pop, you got sad dessert and you feel like you messed up and you don't get to enjoy what you wanted and worked hard on and that sucks. Finding a good recipe on the internet can be a gamble, I know, but I can promise you that if you see one using grams as measurements, that recipe is going to be better and more consistent than one using cups or an egg as a guide. Use recipes that call for weights and grams and weigh your ingredients. All of your ingredients. Don't even look at that liquid measuring cup instead of weighing your milk. Weigh your stuff. You're gonna like the way you bake. I guarantee it. Lastly, air. I touched on this earlier, but I really wanna drive the point home. 
Eggs trap air when they're whipped, no matter if that's your intention or not. Aeration sounds great, but isn't always necessary or desirable in every recipe. Cookies are a great example. If you want a cookie that's chewy on the inside and crisp on the edges, you don't really want to be adding a bunch of air into your eggs. That's why it's best to mix with a paddle attachment or even by hand with a spatula and not with a whisk. Whisks are air incorporating powerhouses and are not to be trusted with eggs unless it's air you want. If you want a fluffy, cakey cookie, then by all means beat those eggs with a whisk. Just changing that one technique is a key difference between those results. Incredible. Recognizing that eggs will trap air is a really great tool to have when you're deciding how you want your bakes to turn out. Just take a second to think about air. It's light, soft, delicate. Is that how you want your bake? Aerate those eggs. Not what you're looking for? Don't let those eggies get airy. These are things we don't often think about as home bakers. We get a recipe, we follow it, done. But knowing the why behind your instructions is going to give you huge insight into what you're doing and where a recipe can go wrong, especially because so many recipes online are really pared down. For example, a brownie recipe that just says, mix your eggs into your oil and sugar. Well, do you want a fluffy brownie? Then you have to use a whip attachment or whisk and get your eggs to a ribbon stage. That's when everything gets pale, nearly cream-colored, volumized, and drops from your whip in a thick, defined ribbon shape when you lift it from the batter. Looking for a dense, fudgy brownie? Use a paddle or spatula and only mix until your eggs are just combined. So many recipes do not specify which technique to use at this stage, but if you know eggs trap air, you can use that knowledge to execute the brownies of your dreams, no matter how bare bones your recipe is. Go forth and bake, my darlings. I know this has been a lot of information and general advice for a broad spectrum of bake fails. And y'all come here for the tea, right? Actual fail stories. Well, my beautiful baking babies, do I have a juicy one for you. Actually, I have several egg-based fails, and they're all my very own, coming at you quickfire style. Hopefully this reassures you that even the strongest of us fail, and fail, and fail again. But we pick ourselves back up, and we continue to bake. Here we go. One time, I was making key lime pie filling. This calls for a lot of egg yolks. Like, a lot, a lot. So, I figured I would use cartoned yolks. These are generally fine to use in replacement of fresh yolks for things like custard pies or cheesecakes, but I wouldn't suggest using them when you only need a couple yolks or if you're building a recipe that also calls for whites elsewhere. Like, if I'm making macarons to go with my lemon curd. Anyway, I snagged these cartoned yolks. I put them in my key lime filling. We're good to go. We weren't good to go. The yolks, what I had called earlier in this episode, conduits of flavor, had absorbed every onion smell that had ever been in the refrigerator. Every garlic stank, every colored green aroma. I don't know if you've ever paired shallots with key lime pie, but honestly, I would not recommend it. We now have a sign right by where we store our eggs that reads, and I quote, 
smell your yolks. One time, I was shockingly making key lime filling. I smelled my yolks, perfectly neutral, fantastic. I add them into my key lime juice. I then realize I have to zest 12 limes, which I would have done first if I'd thoroughly read my recipe before starting to mix. Okay, I thought, this is gonna take a hot minute, but I'll throw on some tunes and get zesting and be done in a jiffy. I do that. My chef walks by when I'm about 10 limes deep and freezes. Ender, she says, what are you doing? I'm zesting these last few limes, chef, and then I just have to add it to my condensed milk and add it to the filling and I'll move on to cakes, I replied, thinking she was asking about my timeline. She was not. You added your yolks? Yes, chef. To an acid, without mixing, and let it sit there while you zested a dozen limes. I, too, froze. I looked in my container of juice and yolks, completely curdled. Turns out acid can do that, but at least they didn't stink of onion, and I'd already had most of my limes zested for the do-over. Hey, folks, I can't stress this one enough. Thoroughly read your recipe before you even put on that apron. One time, I was making marshmallows. Pretty simple to do, just whip up egg whites, pour hot syrup into them, then add bloomed gelatin, and pour the whole thing into a starch-dusted pan to set. This wasn't a huge recipe, only about a kilo of egg whites, so I can make it in the six-quart KitchenAid mixer, right? Hey, everyone. Eggs trap air. Egg whites trap a lot of air. They don't double or triple, they flip and quadruple in volume. So that kilo of egg whites filled the entire six-quart mixer. No biggie, right? That's as much volume as they're gonna get, so I can just add my syrup and it'll be scary, but it won't overflow. Ah, but Ender, the sugar syrup you're adding has water. So the sugar isn't just gonna dissolve into the whites. It's already dissolved in the water and is gonna add another two kilos into this already terrifyingly full mixer. Two kilos of 240 degree syrup that has to be added before it cools down too much. Needless to say, I was covered in marshmallow that day. I rapidly attempted to transfer the whites plus half of my syrup to the larger mixer without losing air or letting my syrup cool too much, added the rest of the syrup, got my gelatin in, and threw the whole shebang onto my tray to set. They had mostly solidified before I could smooth them out across the pan because my syrup had gotten too cool and were the flattest, saddest marshmallows ever from deflating during the mixer swap. I used them to make marshmallow fluff stuffed them into donuts that I topped with chocolate glaze and graham cracker crumbs, and we had killer s'mores donuts that weekend. And next time, I made a quote-unquote one-kilo batch of marshmallows. I used the bigger mixer. So there you have it. Everyone goofs, but as long as we take a deep breath, laugh at your disaster mess, and think about where you went wrong, adjust, and try, try, try again. You are gonna get that bake right. Sometimes you just gotta fake it till you bake it. Thank you all for coming on this journey. 
I love you very much. And don't forget to send me your fails. That's fakeitbakeitpod at gmail. And hey, if you're feeling charitable, hit me with that review and rating so that other folks can find the podcast and come along this journey of learning with us. Until next time. <laughs>